0: Welcome to episode 108, Reconnecting with Yourself, with Julie Parker, founder of the Beautiful You Coaching Academy. Julie Parker is the founder of the Beautiful You Coaching Academy, where she passionately trains and supports heart-centered people to become life coaches. She's the editor-in-chief of Inspired Coach magazine, a published author, and an in-demand speaker. Julie has inspired thousands of people on stages all over the world and is the recipient of numerous leadership and business awards. Julie is also the co founder of Priestess Temple School and founder of the top ranking podcast, The Priestess Podcast. A modern day priestess with a focus on her Celtic, Balkan, Iberian, and Greek lineage, Julie is committed to contributing to a world where qualities of intuition, presence, social justice, and service are honored. Today's conversation lends itself to shadow work, what it takes to be a modern priestess, healing our ancestral wounds, the root cause of perfectionism breaking the patterns of society's expectations, radical honesty and connecting back to ourselves, making time for self-reflection and the inner work, different forms of meditation, creating your own legacy and learning to uncover your truth. If you hear me go quiet in this episode, it's because I was so mesmerized by Julie's beautiful way of articulating everything that she talks about. I loved this conversation and I really hope you do too. and set your soul on fire to take massive aligned action in your business so you can take your life to the next level. Ready to get started? Let's go. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I really want to welcome you to the podcast, Julie. It's an absolute pleasure to speak with you today. Oh, Christine, thank you very much for the invitation. I'm honored to be here. I am genuinely so excited and I have butterflies in my stomach because I'm really just I just know how good this conversation is going to be so I really (laughs) want to start off by allowing you to be able to introduce yourself to to my listeners and tell us a little bit about you and your journey with Beautiful You Coaching but also your journey as a coach oh
1: my goodness Christine I've been in this industry for more than 17 years and so the question that you're asking there is not one that can be simply asked uh, or answered really and so to err on the side of caution and timing here I may just give you the the ultra brief version and then maybe we can go down a path of you asking some specific things about what you most want to know about my journey because It's quite a big one, but essentially at heart, I am a life coach trainer and the CEO and founder of the Beautiful You Coaching Academy. And I have the great pleasure of training uh, thousands of people now um, from all over the world uh, to establish their businesses as heart-centered life coaches. And I come to that, as I've mentioned, after 17 years in the coaching industry myself and growing my own very successful life and coaching business. And I absolutely love that work. I love all the joyful and amazing people that it brings me in touch with and I'm looking forward to seeing how it can continue to grow and expand from here.
0: Mm, Beautiful, beautiful. And I think, like, as we were saying before we jumped on, is is you have such a wealth of knowledge and we can take this podcast so many different avenues. And I think with, you know, listening to your podcast with the priestess podcast, I think there's some avenue I really want to dive into right off the bat is spirituality because I think Mm -hmm. I'd love for you to speak on what you believe being a priestess means and what spirituality is to you.
1: Well, this is certainly a very big part of my life as well. And I didn't mention it, at the beginning in relation to beautiful you because the truth is my own spiritual journey began as as it so often does for most people as a very private undertaking however the more that I journeyed into the world of the divine feminine and sacred leadership and particularly Powerful ancient women leaders and the impact and influence that I feel that they can have on us today through things such as goddess spirituality, the more I realized that I really wanted to talk about this and be a great deal more open about it. And when I started to do that, uh, so many people became fascinated with that aspect of my life. And since then, over the last five to six years in particular, it has become a lot more public and I'm doing a lot more things with it now, which while that initially didn't feel very comfortable for me, um, it certainly does now and I'm in full ownership of that. And being a priestess to me in its simplest form really is about being a sacred leader And I think that that is what my very core definition of a priestess is, is that it's any woman who is in a sacred spiritual leadership role, which may look very different to what mine looks like for someone else. Um, It's a very individual path, but also one that's done in sisterhood and collectives and community and collaboration as well. And... I feel as though it's an incredibly exciting time for women claiming their leadership gifts. Uh, It's a very needed thing for the world right now. And the exciting element of that for me is that when women claim their own divinity and their own sacred leadership style and how they most want to serve in the world, from a spiritual and a very heart and soul-centered lens, then so much healing takes place at an individual and an also sisterhood and global collective level as well, which makes it a very special kind of leadership in and of itself that I think the world is very much craving right now. Mm,
0: Absolutely. And I would imagine over the many years that you've worked from this space, that the I just can't imagine what you would have seen, like the journey that you would have seen the consciousness of the world take on and how exciting it is. Like I totally agree with you. It is really exciting to see so many women's circles and so many women getting together and uplifting each other and supporting each other to be, to be amazing leaders. And we are seeing so many feminine leaders step up and really own that space. When you think about the consciousness and how that's evolved, has there been anything really fascinating that you've noticed
1: over the years? Oh, so many things, Christine, you know, so many things. I'm, I'm right in the heart at the moment of writing a book about the modern priestess and in particular there's a very significant part of that book at the start that talks about ancient wisdom and how women of ancient and past times who were priestesses in their own right and also goddesses that have been worshipped over time, the truly remarkable skills and gifts that they had. And the fact of the matter is, is that these skills are no different to what women today have. And I think that a lot of people find that surprising. Were they used in different ways? Sure, you know, absolutely, you know, from hunter-gatherer times and before, uh, it's a very different world right now. But the skills and gifts of, uh, you know, second sight, intuition, healing, holding space and so many others are gifts and skills that women have held inside of them for millennia. And I think the other thing as well that is often can be quite surprising is to understand that we have always had these skills, but they have been denied and quashed and taken away from us by the patriarchal world within which we all still live. But it wasn't always that way. And I think a lot of women don't necessarily realise that. You know, once upon a time, we did live in a world that was much more egalitarian, was much more balanced, was much less dominant and hierarchical, And capitalist and destructive and controlling in its way of being and women were a very very significant part of the leadership and community and collaboration of that but with the onset of the patriarchy and uh, industrialization and so many other things those things were taken from us and many women have kind of fallen into somewhat of a a belief system that it was never ours to begin with or it's never meant to be. But it was and we're reclaiming it uh, bit by bit, uh, sister by sister, healing by healing, collective by collective. There is a groundswell at the moment. We have a long way to go, but the reclamation has begun. I truly believe that.
0: Mm, it's beautiful to see, it's beautiful to see. So in regards to those types of gifts that we have as women, which one of those were a challenge for you to develop? Like, was there any one in particular that you really had to work on? Like, was it your intuition, was it the healing, was it the holding space?
1: Look, it was the healing. And if I'm being really honest with you, Christine, I think that that is in fact the great calling and likely to be every woman's greatest challenge when it comes to stepping into any kind of sacred leadership role. And when I say healing, what I'm really talking about there is uh, shadow work. So I'm talking about how we feel about ourselves, uh, our jealousies, our pride, our ego, our inner critic, uh, where we put ourselves down, criticize ourselves, compare ourselves to other women, other people, all the things we do to keep ourselves small, Mm. unseen, safe. That is the great work of the priestess. That is the great work of any spiritual and sacred leader, is that we must look at these things within ourselves first and continue to do so. If we're ever to be able to really honor the Position that we may choose to step into of holding space for others, whether that may be as a spiritual coach or a healer or a guide, a psychic, a mentor, whatever it is that our gifts and skills may lead us into. And that's not easy work, you know, looking at your fears and all the stuff about yourself that you know is true but your wish wasn't, you know. (laughs) That stuff is really hard and it's really challenging and it's lifelong work but it's so important. It absolutely can be done and what it does is it just unravels layer upon layer upon layer for yourself of how truly beautiful and light-filled and amazing that you are when you commit to looking at and gently and compassionately healing those parts of yourself that need to be healed for you to be able to continue on this path.
0: Mm, Absolutely. And imagine if every person looked towards themselves and worked on their own healing rather than projecting their own pain, it would be a completely different experience of life, wouldn't it?
1: Um, Yes, and (laughs) thank you for saying that because do you know what, Christine, you have hit the nail on the head there really with a great big spiritual bang in regards to one of the major ways that non-healing and our shadow vomits from Mm us all the time. And that is that when this stuff is unhealed and unlooked at and denied and spiritually bypassed inside of us, that is one of the major ways that it comes out. Total projection onto other people. Defensiveness, denial, uh, coming straight down top on top of others Mm. for things that we actually need to look at within ourselves and so much more and you know one of the things that has that's been one of the things that i've had to work out very very significantly within myself is that i found myself at a certain point in time in my life being defensive a great deal without actually fully realizing that the reason for my defensiveness was because i was upset with myself you know not really that upset with others but was projecting onto them. And I think all of us do this at certain times. And the more I unraveled that, the more I found that it was steeped in a lot of perfectionism
0: Mm. And,
1: and my belief that I needed to be exemplary and perfect and everything needed to be ordered and in its place and all of those sorts of things. And that when I saw anybody else that was not like that, I was immediately on them because I wasn't looking at it inside of me. And letting go of that perfectionism for me at an individual level was life-changing. And I believe that especially as women, if we can do that for one another collectively, gosh, the whole world will shift. Yeah. Just to give each other a break, stop judging each other, letting it go, but we have to do that for ourselves first, otherwise we can't do it for anyone else.
0: Mm, absolutely and I think perfectionism is one of those things that I think collectively in the feminine space that we are most challenged with I see so many women challenged with that in all different areas of their life that we struggle with that having to be perfect do you mm-hmm. think that it's it's a kind of an it's being evolved on because of evolution and because or mainly because of society the way that we're going on social media and
1: things like that or Well, I think that many people would have different perspectives on this, but my perspective is is that this is a direct result of the patriarchal world in which we live. You know, once upon a time, way back before then, when women were in sisterhood and community with each other, raising our children together, you know, all collaboration, no competition sort of thing, uh, my very strong belief and sense from all the research I've done is that, that sort of level of perfectionism that we now see women quite literally choked by today did not exist. Or if it did, it certainly didn't exist in the way that it does now. Mm. But the patriarchy has created this uh, system within ourselves, you know, as well as white supremacy and capitalism, which is all a part of this. It's like, you know, we have been trained as women or brought up in a society and a world for generations now where we need to be nice and we need to be good and we need to be polite all the time, where we're labeled, we're told what to do, what not what to do. We've been told how to dress, how to speak, what to say, what not to say, What is okay for us? What is not okay for us? Our bodies have been policed. And this has then been projected further into larger systems such as the media, Mm. which are driven by men and driven by a patriarchal system that sends us messages all the time. This is what you should look like. And if you don't look like that, there's something wrong with you. This is how you should dress. This is the sort of role that you should play. This is the sort of mother that you should be. Uh, Don't even think about not being a mother because that's not okay. That's not a choice. And so we're presented with these binaries and these rules and these societal norms and expectations through patriarchal systems all the time and they are steeped. perfectionism Mm. all of them if you are perfect and if you look and sound and act and be and behave just exactly as you're supposed to then everything will be perfect the right man will come you'll have a beautiful house you'll have a perfect family your business will be amazing you will be loved everything will be wonderful stray from that and there'll be a problem. Mm, and you won't in be fact, interested. exactly, many problems. And so we've internalised this, Christine. Mm. In so many, now, the way that I present it there, it, it sounds like, oh! But it makes sense. Life but. is part of it, doesn't it? This makes sense. It does in so many ways and this is so pervasive. Life is wonderful and beautiful and rich and incredible and all of those sorts of things. But there is no doubt that we're living in a time where these systems are incredibly powerful and have been for a long time. And this is how they manifest themselves in us. Internalised oppression of needing to be perfect, it's a very real thing.
0: Mm, and we've got to stop expecting that or relying on that to be truth, like looking yes. at it and going and just accepting it as is and that we can't change it because if we sit back and we're silent, then that's not going to change anything either. We've got to be able to question it and question those beliefs and go, hang on a minute, just because that's what's being said as being right or being accepted or being perfect, is that the way I want to live my life? Because you can have this perfect ideal, but when you flip it around and actually look at your own life, like it's messy. <laughs> life is not perfect yes. at all.
1: Yes, and there is so much beauty in the mess. And the way that we will break this, in little inverted commas, is by breaking it within ourselves first while also simultaneously as women seeing this for what it is and going, hang on a second, sister, we don't have to be a part of this. We can actually collectively say no. Mm. Let's not judge each other for the type of mothers that we are or choosing not to have children. Let's not judge each other based on what we wear or what we weigh or any of those sorts of things. We have to break the system. We have to be the ones that say, no, I'm not interested in that. I'm not going to play into that for myself and I'm not going to play into it for other women either
0: Mm. because at the end of the day it's actually not supporting anything like yeah if you continue to try to be perfect you're setting yourself up for failure in the first place Mm -hmm. and feel good that's striving to be perfect perfect or to live up to other people's expectations i think that's what we constantly do is we're taught to look outside of ourselves for the answers when really if we just looked within the answers are already there
1: absolutely without question you're so right uh, except that that looking within sounds so beautiful. It's like, oh, just look inside yourself for the answer, you know, and it is in there. but That's to Well <laughs> yeah, because to get to that answer, you have to do the healing. Mm. You have to do the inner work that to you know to get to your soul juice your essence, your divinity, your love, your purpose, your intuition, that that voice of, you know, the goddess of God, of universe, of the great mother, of all the women in your life before you, deep inside you, there's some gates to go through. And it involves this healing and looking at all of those parts of yourself, but the good news is, is that it's always worth it. Mm. always always worth it
0: absolutely amen to that (laughs) (laughs) so if there's anybody listening to this thinking well okay well i don't have any type of connection with myself that i totally see that's happening out there but i and i want to start to do the work how would you guide someone to start to look at that and to start to look at connecting back to themselves
1: well i think it begins christine with radical honesty and making time to truly be with one's self mm. and that seems like a really simple thing and in many ways it is but it can also be in our modern and frenetic and fast-paced world challenging as well but none of us have any hope whatsoever of being able to really reach into those beautiful and divine parts of ourselves if we don't make room for it to come forth in our life. Now, some people might find it a little bit surprising for me to say as a a modern spiritual woman and a priestess, but I'm not a regular meditator. What? (laughs) Exactly. There you go. I have tried to have a regular and ongoing meditation practice, and I realized that it's actually just not for me. And at first, that was something that my shadow really railed at me about. I was like, you can't do it, this is, you know, it's like, come on, come on, you can't be serious, all that stuff but I've actually realised that my inner time and inner world is something that I need to ask myself about every day. What is it that I need? Do I need to have my me time, my quiet time, my inner world and reflection time meditating? Or is it that I need to be in the garden, which is just another form of meditation? Hmm. Or that I need to be at the beach swimming uh, in the ocean, which is just another form of meditation? Or do I need to be outdoors with my pets, playing, completely present and focused on them and just being joyful and in the moment, which is just another form of meditation? And when I learned those things for myself, that's when deeper portals into what I truly needed opened up for me there are so many other examples I can give you there including journaling listening to deep meditones meditation tracks um, gentle music so many things when we make that time and space for ourselves and whatever works for us and we just simply be with ourselves and even A question that I can give your listeners to ask themselves is just simply, what would you have me know? Love that. What would you have me know? Or how can I be of most service? Best service to myself today. See what comes. Have pen and paper nearby. And keep doing this with yourself over and over again. And what you will find when you do that is that you will have thoughts that will come up in your head that present to you things that you need to look at. And it may be fears around money or love or a sense of lack or something that is persistently worrying you, um, weighing heavily on you, causing you to stop or causing you to start over and over, but not completing again and again. And it's when you slow down and you start to pay attention to those messages uh, that you will then begin to learn what it is that you need to pay attention to. And the more that you then pay attention to that, the more the information will come to you around what you need to do. In relation to that and you might need to do many many things you might need to stop doing something you might need to end a relationship you might need to reach out to someone you might need to shift or change something about how you eat or sleep or move your body uh, or do so many other things that may be the beginning of what that healing is going to look like for you
0: mm. Let's see it. Like it's just literally asking ourselves what we need because so so often we don't create the space for that. And we, we don't even ask ourselves, like we were talking at an event the other night about like, how often do we stop and ask ourselves, like, what do we want? Exactly. We're so often just keep go, go, go. And we're focused on, being superwoman or achieving the next thing and the next thing and the next thing without stopping and thinking, okay, is this actually what I want or am I just doing this based on other people's expectations or Mm -hmm. anxiety or whatever else is going on around me? We're not, we don't check in with ourselves much anymore. Hey,
1: exactly. Yep. You're, you're exactly right. And so we cannot expect all of our wonderful divinity to come forth and speak to us if we're not checking in with ourselves at an absolute minimal level, Mm, you know? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's like you must listen to yourself. If you want to heal yourself, if you want to shine, if you want to do anything of really deep significance in your life, you know, the, the messages that get sent to us is that, well, you've got to buy this and go to this and do this and you know what there may be a book or an event or a podcast or something that yes you should listen to and is important for you to listen to but none of it will trump what it is that you need to do in relation to asking yourself inside Mm. deeply and reverently what are your next steps
0: Mm, absolutely (laughs) absolutely Totally feel that. So I would love to know with everything that you've already achieved and what you're creating with Beautiful You Academy and everything of what's what you're focused on next and you're working on um, the the temple school as well. When you think about your legacy and what you want to leave behind, what's what's your mission? What's what's on on the path for you?
1: Mm. One of the things that the priestess path has taught me is that your life is your legacy. But it's not really something I no longer believe that it's actually something specific that you do you know I, I could sit here and tell you that you know my legacy is to train incredible wonderful life coaches that go out there in the world and make a difference in people's lives which I know that they do Or that my legacy was to be a spiritual leader for women but and those are a part of it because those things are a part of my life. But what I've really come to understand, Christine, is that our entire life is our legacy. Our entire life is our message. Our entire life is our mission. And so for me, that involves being a stepmom, being a daughter, uh, being a lover of flowers and music and crystals and so many other things, you know, a traveller, a world traveller, that's part of my legacy. And so many other things as, as well. Um, you know, I've just started making recently sacred medicine dolls and I know that that's now a part of my life. And that's now a part of my legacy as well. So, you know what? It's all of it. And I would love to encourage anybody that is listening to, if it resonates with you, it may not, which is completely okay, but to maybe take on board that your legacy really is not something that you do. It's actually who you are.
0: Hmm. Mm, Absolutely. I love how you break it down to such simplicity that it's not about anybody else. It's just how you're being like, I just, I love how you just brought that all back down to oneness, like mm. beautiful, beautiful. So is there any other spiritual gifts that you're working on for yourself at the moment? So is there any of those that you're sort of challenged with at the moment that you're trying to develop?
1: Oh, that's a really wonderful question. I think that one of the gifts that I'm always going to be working on, even though I feel that I have it already, it's something that I'm constantly sharpening. And that's a deliberate use of that word. And that is the skill of uh, clarity, one of my great skills as both a coach and a priestess is that I have the ability to help people cut through mess. I have the, the ability to help them get clear by asking them very powerful questions that are designed to help them drop away all of the fuzz and the noise from around to be in a space where they can get really clear about what it is that is most important to them and what they most need to do. Now, within spiritual language, we um, not necessarily coaching language, you know, it's called getting clear clarity. Um, if you were to think about it from a spiritual perspective or a priestess perspective, it's it's the archetype of the initiator. Or the transformer, the sword wielder. It's like, how can we literally cut through the crap, slice it to get to the real heart of what is happening here? That is a skill of mine, but it is one that I am constantly wanting to maintain and hone for people because I've always felt that it has the power to be able to help people transform quickly. Uh, if necessary, and, and to then get to the heart of what they really need to do. I think the other thing on a more practical level, Christine, is that I am wanting to expand more into my powers of ceremony and ritual. I know other priestesses that this is very much their dominant gift or gifts. It's not mine and it's something that is now calling me at the stage that I'm at to work on and become more powerful in. And so I think that's going to be something I'll be looking at for myself in the near future.
0: Mm, awesome. Awesome. And there's so many ways to do ceremony. I think it's so, it can be so unique to individuals as well. Very much so. Yes, yeah.
1: it's a very personally powerful uh, presence that someone has and one ceremonialist is never the same as another.
0: Mm, so true. And I love how, like talking about getting all the clarity and getting clear, like that's something that's I'm, I'm so passionate about as well. And it's so fascinating. I'm, I'm not sure if you think the same, but I find it so fascinating on how complex we can make a problem. Like as a human being, we can complicate mm-hmm. things so radically <laughs> that we almost are talking ourselves out of it, right? Like we're almost creating so many barriers for ourselves that we really don't believe in our own power. Like I really don't believe that we have the ability or the confidence or the certainty about our abilities to achieve something, right? Like we create all these stories around it without looking at actually, this is what I'm good at, or this is what I'm, what my power is. So
1: why not lean into that? Where do you think that comes from? Well, that's our ego. You know, what, what you're describing there is our egoic mind, uh, creating barriers and challenges for us and our egos are not a bad thing you know this this is where our fear jealousy pride smallness criticism of self and and so many things come from we can think about it from the perspective of oh it's horrible i'm horrible all of those sorts of things but really it is such a portal of power because if we learn to get to the point where we go, okay, uh, this is a part of who I am. This is something that I'm thinking. It does not necessarily make it truth. It does not necessarily make it real. It does not necessarily mean that it's going to happen, but I'm thinking it. It's coming to me for a reason. Why am I perpetually comparing myself to that woman? Why do I, whenever I am on the crest of something really big, all of a sudden start to talk myself out of it? Mm. Why, whenever I think about shining a spotlight on myself, do I come up with all the excuses in the world to not do it? And if we can reach a point where we go, okay, hello, this is happening again. Well, this is here. I wonder why, to to look at things with compassion and curiosity and go, what is happening here for me? I wonder why this keeps coming up. Once again, coming back to that point of making space for oneself, what do I really need here? What is this actually all about? And so often when we do that, Christine, what we uncover is, The very real truth that so many of us usually only experience significant fear where we're on the precipice of something incredible and therefore it's nothing more than a sign that you're on the right track and giddy up, (laughs) on you go, on your bike, saddle up, head off, everything's good, no need to stop, way you go sort of thing or that whenever we're thinking about stepping out into something big or shining a light on ourselves, that we get a little bit concerned about being so public and seen and shining and that we start to think about what will people think, what will people say, you know, this is going to be a bomb, people are going to criticise me and all that means is that you're worried about what other people think, which you can't control and that you're not concerned enough with what you think and so what that voice is doing is asking you to go within what do you think what's this really all about how much do you want it oh you really want it this is really big this is part of your legacy oh okay great saddle up on your bike giddy up (laughs) get going Do you know what I mean? It's like we, we can deconstruct these things for ourselves if we stop and breathe and give ourselves the time to feel into it and stop thinking about the fact that if our head says, oh, you shouldn't do that big, beautiful, wonderful thing, that that then means that it's true. You know, this is about discernment. It's about really powerfully being with ourselves and unpeeling the layers of what our small mind might say to feel into the space the big space of what our heart and soul and intuition actually really means
0: mm, mm, yes absolutely i agree with all of that and it's so unique that we get to do that right we get to do that as a human being to be the observer of our thoughts and stuff, to question all of it and just decide okay what's serving us is it actually serving me to think this or is it serving me to go actually what i could think about this is it's exciting and it's not necessarily fearful and i can take this and run with it rather than let it hold me back for sure
1: Mm -hmm. yep absolutely
0: without question yeah so i'd love to know is there any any patterns that you see in not necessarily society but i guess in your coaching clients and and your coaches that you coach is there any like major lineage lessons or generational lessons that are coming up for a lot of people that you're starting to notice is something that these key lessons that we need to be able to overcome so then the rest of the world can evolve does that make sense (laughs) am I asking that clearly
1: yeah it does make sense I mean I wouldn't necessarily say that this is something that I see within coaches you know lineage and ancestral work is very much more something that's done within my priestess uh realm and I think that In that work that I do with women, one of the dominant things that does seem to come out is fear of voice and speaking up, taking up space Mm. and really shining. And that is no wonder (laughs) because all of us, some of us more than others, are at some point in time in our ancestral lineages will have come from women who have absolutely and without question been persecuted for their beliefs, for their voice, for taking up too much space, for shining uh, and so many other things. And for some of us, this is not necessarily that long ago. You know, we may have had grandmothers or great-grandmothers that, you know, well, my grandmother, you know, when she was born, women did not have the right to vote. And so that even in and of itself is a quashing of voice. Mm. And only two generations later, we do have the right, well, one generation later, we did have the right to vote. And two generations later, we're seeing female Prime Ministers and Presidents and, you know, we've got Angela Merkel and Jacinda Ardern and many other women around the world. We've had a female Prime Minister before here in Australia. And but still, but still many of us can carry a lot of fear uh, that is somewhat dna mm. around this. And... The big way through it, Christine, is just to keep doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Again and again and again. And to believe without question that we do have a right to take up space, that our beliefs and values are important, that feminine principles of leadership matter and heal and so many other things. Uh, That's probably the big one that I see for many people, many women, yeah.
0: Yeah. I totally agree with you. It's something that I was speaking to about a couple of weeks ago because I went to a major event that was doing a tour around the the nation and they had majority men speakers and they had one female speaker and they actually Uh, didn't allow her, like she didn't own the stage. She was interviewed by another man about her husband's achievements.
1: Oh, wow. Oh, I was
0: so... I was so annoyed.
1: (laughs) Unacceptable. You know, that sort of stuff in this day and age is just honestly, well, I could go off on a whole tangent about this, Christine, but it is completely unacceptable. And we have to say no more. And it's exactly the same as significant lineups in conferences that are also all white, Mm. As well, because we're living in an extraordinarily diverse, incredible world right now in all countries of the world, Australia, the USA, Canada, the UK, Europe, everywhere. And still we continue to see at these conferences as well, that the dominant voice is, is white
0: Mm.
1: and it's, it's unacceptable and it's wrong and we have to change it. Uh, we we must change this. It's it's part of the calling. It's mm. part of sacred leadership today to break down these systems of white supremacy, patriarchy, uh, all of it. It's all integrated and intertwined together and it's time. It's time for it to be busted wide open. Mm, I agree and I, I view it as using it as
0: power or a reason why we need to speak up more. And the reason why more women need to be sharing their message and sharing their stories. And it's interesting. Like I run events here in Brisbane and struggle, I struggle to find female speakers, but there's so many men speakers that contact me regularly to want to speak. And it's like, where are the women? What's going on?
1: (laughs) And well, that is a very good question. If I could say that. So, Well, there there we have a perfect example of, in many ways, male and female conditioning, okay? So the patriarchy upholds men as you have a right to speak. Yours is the voice that matters most. You can take up space. You are a leader. And so as a result of that, We see time and time again that men are much more willing to put themselves forward, Mm. much, Mm. much more willing to you who runs, from what I know, female-centric events. Right. (laughs) Right, okay? But that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter to them. It's like, oh, I still think, and you know what? I love men. I'm married yeah. to the most wonderful man in the world. This, we're talking about systems here, right? Yes. And, and, and Whereas women are not sent those same messages. You must keep yourself small and in the background and you're the supporter and all those sorts of things. So it's no wonder to me that you don't receive as many, invita- as many offers of as many women that step forward that say that, you know, they want to speak um, at one of your events. And that just means for you, Christine, that as a curator of such events, that you need to work harder to find the gems that you need to look for. And by the way, if you ever invite me up to Brisbane, I'm there absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> i would so come speak for you
0: thank you yeah it's so true and i do and i do i go out there and i look for for women speakers and to find what their stories are and to mm. you know bring that out into the environment so then it gives the permission for other women to also step up and and yes. the truth because i think that that's one beautiful thing that we do get to do is that the more we share our story and the more we step up and speak out, then we're giving more, peop- more people the permission to go, hey, I can do that too.
1: Absolutely. It's, it's leading by brilliant example, which of course you do so beautifully. Mm-hmm.
0: Thank you. So do you absolutely? So I would love to know: is there anything that you would like to see happen within the coaching industry, or as it starts to evolve? Because so many more coaches coming to light, which is amazing. I'm starting to see so many more incredible coaches to really step up, which is awesome. What would you like to see
1: happen with the coaching industry? Well, I'd love to see the death and end of social media and online advertising. That Promises people that they can have a successful thriving six and seven set figure business in 30 days <laughs> Let's let's maybe uh, Let's maybe start with that one Because Christine when I first started out in this industry that didn't exist and It has been there have been many many wonderful things that I have seen change and evolve and come into the coaching industry in my 17 years, one of the major ones being the number of women Mm. that are are now coaches and coaching. Big, big tick for that. Extraordinary. I think women make the most incredible coaches. Uh, The different areas of niching and uh, especially very, you know, personal-based coaching around people's spirituality learning to love their body, developing confidence, their sexuality, so many things. Beautiful, rich, wonderful, deeply personal work with people, which, again, I think women are so loaned towards is gorgeous. But there's a lot of shonky and shady marketing out there. And the more that coaches have, and the coaching industry has developed, the more that we have seen a lot of people directly marketing towards coaches and promising things that they cannot deliver it's and so hard right yeah it's hard and it's very very hard especially for new coaches to wade through what is real what is what is fallacy what is spin what is marketing and what is genuine and so for me i just want to continue to try to be somebody that in the industry is Teaching and training people heart-centred client attraction principles, authentic and genuine marketing, the owning of one's true voice and, and how to use that and speak that, you know, using social media in a way that feels genuine, authentic, real you know, vulnerable even at times without wanting to share anything that someone doesn't personally want to because that's one of the myths of social media. We don't need to tell everyone everything about our lives. In fact, please don't. Please don't. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Please don't. You don't want to know everything about my life and I don't want to know everything about yours. That's not the way it's it's meant to go, you know. But they're probably the big things, Christine, Mm. just more genuineness, more authenticity, you know, more connection, more community, more collaboration, more building of relationships and connections, less isolation, less BS marketing. Um, Yeah, that'll do for Christmas this year. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. That sounds pretty good to me. (laughs)
0: And for those who are listening that want to either uh, become a coach or to work a little bit more with you, what's next for you? you? What's on the cards for people to work with you?
1: Oh, what's next for me is just a continuation of our life coaching training with the Beautiful You Coaching Academy. So we run three courses every year and we're looking forward to that now into 2020. Our 2019 courses have sold out. Um, They sell out months in advance every year, which is something we're very proud of. And uh, so now we're turning to 2020 and looking to that. And for those women listening who are interested more in exploring the world of the priestess and their spirituality and sacred leadership, together with my beautiful partner uh, in Priestess Crime, uh, Priestess uh, Sorosu, you know, uh, we have Priestess Temple School. And that's a, a beautiful, rich, extraordinary uh, mistress mind rather than master mind um, experience of um, deep spirituality and connection, which involves some beautiful Um, retreating as well in gorgeous locations around the world. So very much looking forward to continuing to serve in both of those places.
0: Incredible, incredible, lovely. I will make sure I put all the links in the show notes so people can find all the information about that. And I would love just to finish off with thinking about what legacy you want to leave. You mentioned that it's more about who we are and who we want to be. If there was to someone to describe Julie Parker after you've passed, how would you like them to describe your life?
1: Oh, oh gosh, Christine. Big question. How would I like someone to describe my life? Oh, i just i that is that that feels like the most expansive extraordinary question that i'm really not 100% sure to answer but the thing that is coming to me if i'm just breathing and feeling into it for a moment is that my life helped people to in some way or another come home to themselves mm to know who they truly were, why they were here and how they could bring forth their gifts to make a difference and to live the life that they were supposed to really live. Mm. I think that's it.
0: Beautiful. That would be an incredible legacy.
1: Well, let's shoot for it. (laughs) (laughs) You're pretty much on the path. (laughs) <laughs> oh, well, thank you very much. I appreciate
0: that. <laughs> I want to thank you for joining me today and to dive into this beautiful conversation. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you, and I wish you all the best for the rest of the year. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Christine. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Next Level Life podcast. I'd love to hear any takeaways that you've had from today's episode, so please share with me on Instagram and Facebook. And if you feel so moved, please pass this episode on to any friends or family that you feel may benefit from it. Looking forward to speaking with you next week, and here's to
1: taking your life to the next level.